0: genuinely can't tell if that's good. Hey, what's up? This is Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 9th of March, 2021. <sighs> I was just watching, um, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about this week, but I, I was just watching uh, these little boys uh, on YouTube, two set violin, um, just do fi- like. <laughs> I've, I guess I've had this idea... Oh, fuck. I'm really launching straight into it, aren't I? I feel like I haven't even properly started yet and I'm already starting a thing. All right. Wait. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, good morning to you. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would make me feel a bit better to patronize the audience for a second before you launch any of your stories sip of tea it's warm now but it's going to be cold by the end of this recording of that i am acutely aware so i was watching these boys on um i don't know why i need to call them boys they're men all right they're guys anyway i guess they're in their 20s so they're boys to me because i'm 30 um two set violin there's two guys i think they're australian yeah their accents sound Australian which is nice feels cool. Um, they are both classical violinists and they have this YouTube channel and it's like I mean they do the whole clickbait titles thing all that but they're also just great. Oh actually I mean I haven't even seen them play viol. I know I have seen them play violin no 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 they click I guess they're like studying at the conservative wait let's look up. Before I just fucking start talking shit, I mean, look, they've got 3 million subscribers, which is wild, about. Two Set Violin, founded in 2014 by Australian duo Brett Yang and Eddie Chen, first went viral with their funny and sometimes painfully accurate videos depicting life as a classical musician. With over 500 million views, they inspire musicians worldwide with humor and relatable imperfectness, which isn't a word. And they're aware of that because they've put inverted commas around it. Um, They've been featured on international media, blah, 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 blah. First ever crowdfunded classical world tour in 2017. That's cool. They committed to nonstop busking and sleeping on the streets of Sydney until they hit their goal of 50,000, which was achieved in just five days. Their first world tour hit the ground running with sold-out concerts in New York, LA, London, Hong Kong, Singapore, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Seattle, San Fran, Chicago, Boston, Philly, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, Berlin, Munich, Warsaw, Vienna, Oslo, and Helsinki. Fucking hell, these guys rock. (laughs) <laughs> even more cities lined up for the 2021 world tour. Their dream is to bring classical music to more people and continue to inspire the next generation. So I'm watching their videos and look, they got videos like, um, what's some of the titles like girlfriend less left me because I had rehearsal famous classical pieces tier list. That's funny. Um, We became youth orchestra conductors for a day, reacting to world-class soloists, childhood violin, just fucking whatever. Um, Just YouTube videos about classical music. It's really cool. I like it. It's very addictive. And um, they did one with this uh, pianist lady. Let me not forget her name. Sophie Drommel from Austria. Um, And uh, they did like, you know, her favorite piano Recordings. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I've been getting more into classical music lately. More, I mean, I've, it's been a slow, th- ever since I've started playing piano again, I feel like I'm really just enjoying listening to it. And also, this so th- the show idea that I've had that I've spoken about before, where I play piano and do stand up. I'm still going to do it, and I do feel like I, I'm feeling more and more like I'm genuinely going to do that show, and I'm really excited about it. But watching these guys play, it's just like, fuck, man. I mean, I am nowhere near. Every time I start to arrogantly think, like, you know what? I'm at, like, a decent level. I just I see actual musicians playing. I'm like, fuck me, man. You know, These guys are incredible, and this this Sophie Drummle, who they had on their thing, is incredible as well. Um, I just watched some of her Instagram videos, and uh, but I want to meet these guys, man. (laughs) That's like that. I guess is the level of my ambition is like they're good at playing, like they're just incredible musicians. Would I be able to get to a level of, of comedy? where I could like, you know, look them in the eyes and go like, you got your thing and I got my thing. And I'm obviously fucking not there yet either. But like, that'd be really cool. Um, I just saw they went on the, a world tour and it was booked as classical music and comedy. What was, where is it? Um, Where is it? Where Oh, fuck you. I saw it on fucking Instagram before. Whatever it was, they were billed as classical and comedy. And um, I feel like that's the exact same kind of thing that I'm going for. That's what it is. You just need a little hook. That's why this is a marketing podcast and not a comedy podcast anymore. (laughs) It's because more important than being good at a thing, you need a hook. Because I bet even those guys would say that there's better classical musicians out there than... I mean, of course there are. But, like, unless you're the best, there's probably a bunch of people in between the best and them who are better than them but not as good as the best that no one knows about because no one else thought to go on YouTube and, you know, talk about it and be a person. That's what I want to do with with the fucking show is I want to do... I want to be a musician kind of, but I want to be a comedian who can play music rather than a funny musician. I want to be a comedian. Yes. I want to be a comedian who can play music, but I think people will connect to the music more because, uh, so uh, I guess I'll just start telling the story about my week. Uh, My girlfriend and I went away over the weekend, um, went away over the weekend um, it was lovely. I'll talk about the other bits in a bit, but on Sunday we went, um, and, and had like a Sunday roast at, uh, some fucking wherever in the country. We were out there, Dalesford and, and like Mount Macedon, 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 When I listen to, uh, hardcore history, he says Macedon and he says, that's how the ancient Greeks would have said it. But I guess now we say Mastodon. I keep saying Macadon and people keep correcting me. And I want to be like, well, actually, but (laughs) to my credit, I have not thus far. Uh, (laughs) So we went out to Mount Macedon on Sunday. And there was, uh, my girlfriend found a little, like, thing. It was billed as Sunday lunch and jazz. Um, You know, and I mean, I like food. And feeling smarter than people. So <laughs> we went along <laughs> and uh, it was 50 bucks a head. Um, the food was like fine. You know, when you get a ch- like a, just a, a bit of chicken breast cooked is just, it's never really anything to get that excited about. You got to put some cheese or cream or or bacon or something else with it, isn't it? Like chicken breast by itself i don't know man just a cooked chicken breast like not even not even like grilled or like pan fried just like in an oven yeah it's pretty fucking shit isn't it but it's cheap i guess that's why they did it whatever it was that and just some veggies and stuff we actually found out at the end oh my girlfriend she was livid um she went to pay for the drinks and she just got a glass of wine because that was cheaper than the cocktails and then she went up to pay and it was like oh um no the drinks are the drinks are included so she could have had like a bunch of cocktails and i mean she was just whatever but anyway that's not what i'm talking about the story is we saw these um these two musicians one of whom it was a double bass and a uh, and a guitar like a steel string guitar Two blokes, and one of them was uh, the double bass guy. He played for the MSO, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. So, like, you know, what a fucking high-level musician. And they were playing some amazing stuff, and they were just fucking around as well, which was really fun. Um, At one point, they played Golden Brown by The Stranglers. They played, like, a jazz rendition of it, and at the start, they were like, if anyone's a fan of 80s pop Here it is, and they played it, and they were like, anyone get it? And I looked around, and I was like, no one got it. I was like, it's Golden Brown by The Stranglers. And they were like, that's right, you're a good boy, aren't you? Yes, you are a very good boy. Um, Imagine if they did that. Now, that would have been a performance. Here's what I'm saying is these guys, while they were amazing musicians, didn't have any sort of stagecraft. They weren't good at being on stage and being comfortable on stage and performing to the people in front of them. They were what I've fucking seen so much over the years from really talented musicians is they were hiding behind their instruments. And it's like, it's not even a bummer. It's still great, but it just, I feel like there's such a missed opportunity to make, like to elevate the the talent and skill and the hard work that you've put into like mastering your instrument to then just get up and like kind of mutter a few words and not look at people in the eyes when you're playing. It's like, what are you doing, man? Bring us in. Because that's like as a comedian, I go on stage and it's – uh, this sounds like fake modesty, but for the first time, I I genuinely feel it when I say this. I'm just telling fucking stories and stupid jokes that, like, yeah, they take a bit to write, but not very really. Over the like in the in the grand scheme of things, the time it takes to write a joke or write a good five minute story compared to the time it takes to fucking learn how to play an instrument and learn a piece of classical repertoire. And, like, work on it and get it to a a high level. Like, it's insane. There's no comparison. So the product that I'm offering, being the jokes, compared to the classical repertoire or or jazz or whatever, the musicianship, theirs is way harder to get. But because part of doing stand-up is also selling the stuff, looking at people and, and engaging people, like <laughs> my, my performance is more in- engaging and that's insane. It shouldn't be. And, um, but there's no way for me, you know, I'm not going to go up to those guys who have just like entertained us and go, Hey, cool, cool performance. Can I give you a few tips? Like, wh- ugh. but I wish I could is what I guess I'm trying to say is because those guys could put have put on an, an incredible performance if they had just looked in people's eyes and raised their voices when they spoke and talked about why they care about the music that they're playing. But I guess that's it, isn't it? Is that the reason that I became a comedian is because I enjoy being on stage and doing that. Whereas the reason they became musicians, I would hazard a guess, is because they just enjoy playing their instruments. And my instrument is the thing that you do in front of people. I need the people they don't. I wonder. I wonder if they like performing. That's an interesting question because performing is different to playing an instrument. And from what I kind of gathered, it looked like they maybe tolerate performing. I don't know. It must feel nice to. I I need to talk to a musician. Is what I need to do cuz yeah just the performance side of it was was really lacking but the music side of it was incredible and i fucking loved it and i loved it and i would go and see them again of course but yeah i guess that's what i want to do that's what i want to do with this show is kind of demonstrate to people like look how not proficient i am at playing these very like low level pieces of classical repertoire and how I can engage an audience even in this low level of, of, of fucking musicianship. Just with, you know. It's so easy. Just look at people's eyes and fucking talk loud. God, the guy was fucking mumbling, man. Oh, this is a uh, piece. Uh, this is a song. If any fans of uh, 80s pop. Okay, here it is. <laughs> like fuck me dude if you put fucking a one half of a percent of the effort that you have put into practicing your instrument into just thinking about what you're gonna say when you go on stage and just saying it confidently this show would have been so much better that's my advice to you Ugh, who the fuck am i um Oh, and then after, after they played Golden Brown, I was already on, I was buzzed, you know, I'm like, man, I fucking got the song, it was good, and then, um, and then they were like, now we're going to play a, uh, a classical piece, it's, uh, I can't even see, here's what's fucked about this, how little I know, is I don't even know whether it's Schubert or Schumann, Schubert, Schumann, Schubert, Schumann, where is it, oh god, this is embarrassing, Is it Schubert or is it Schumann? S-C-H-U-B-E-R-T. Franz Schubert. There we go. Austrian composer. They played a piece. They were like, we're going to play a piece. God, I made myself bored then. (laughs) That's how annoying it was to be fucking just looking. Oh, man. Check this out. 1797, he was born. Died 1828. He was 31 fucking hell oh man left behind a vast oeuvre including more than 600 secular vocal works seven complete symphonies sacred music operas incidental music and a large body of piano and chamber music i mean yeah there it is there's the fucking the golf and talent um so, anyway, we we're listening and then they, the, the fucking mumbly guy, which at least he was talking, the MSO guy didn't talk at all. He didn't? <laughs> this is how shy the MSO guy was, the double bass guy, was the guitar dude like two or three times during the probably like 45-minute performance went like blah, 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 whatever his name was to the other guy to like, you know, back announce him and get everyone to clap. Yeah. <laughs> He never once returned the favor. <laughs> he didn't once just pipe up to say the other cunt's name. <laughs> he just like took the applause and was like, oh, 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 oh thank you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> these, these fucking musicians, man. I'll tell you what. They are uh, just staring at the floor and playing beautiful music with their hands and, and lips and mouths and lungs and, yeah, all their other body parts. Feet, knees, playing beautiful music with their knees, with those little uh, those little tambourines that you get or the cymbals attached to you. Anyway, what the fuck am I talking about? Tell the story, Aiden. So, yeah, they were like, oh, we're going to play this piece by, uh, by, fuck, I've already forgotten his name, <laughs> Schubert. <laughs> um and uh, uh stanchion there was like stanchion 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 it's spelled s t and then a with an umlau so like a n d c h e n stanchion or stanchion or stanchion I don't know how to say it. And the guy was struggling saying it as well. And that was what made me go like, oh, and I gasped because I'd been listening to that song. Franz Liszt, Liszt, whatever, does, did of uh, like a version of that song for piano. or I don't know. I guess the melody was originally by Schubert and then Liszt did um, like a solo piano or some fucking version. I don't know what the classical romantic era equivalent of a cover is but he did that and they were doing a jazz cover of that piece and i was like oh my god i'd been listening to that literally that day i'd been listening to it in the morning the evening before me and my girlfriend had a bath a bath and and i made her listen to the the list version because um It's so nice. Maybe I'll put it at the end of this podcast. I was going to put me playing piano at the end of this, but I didn't get a good take before, so I'm not going to. But I'll download it off YouTube. I I feel like I'm not allowed to do that, but I reckon some of this will be under Creative Commons licensing, so it's okay. Um, I'll pull one off YouTube and put it at the end of this week's pod because it's such a beautiful piece, and what I really love about it is the melody is recapitulated first lower and then the second, or maybe first higher. I can't remember. And then the second time lower. And then the third time it's, it's uh, low and then high. It's a call and answer all while the left hand is doing its own thing. The right hand is up here, just fucking calling and answering itself. And it sounded to me like there was two people talking to each other or like a chorus of people all different people. It sounds like people. It sounds like talking. And I was showing my girlfriend that, and I was really excited about it on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we went and saw jazz, and they played it. And what was really endearing about it is you could tell that they hadn't really practiced it like too much. They practiced it a bit, but it wasn't 100%, and they just fucking played it and made some mistakes and whatever. And was It was sick. God, I loved it. I've been listening to a lot of music, a lot of classical music. I've been really feeling it lately, and it's nice. (sighs) All right, fucking ranting about classical music for 20 minutes. You guys doing okay still? It was a great weekend. We uh, got another car next door, which was awesome. Um, The same one that we had hired before. I... uh, At one point, it was like up in the hill. Man, this place where we stayed, that'll be the picture this week, I reckon. It was, um, yeah, near Mount Macedon. And we did it because we got the Victorian government's uh, little rebate for traveling within the state. Um, we got that, applied for it and got it. And so we were like, well, we got the rebate, so we might as well fucking get some nice-ass Airbnb. And it had a big bath and it had a, a fire, like a fireplace inside the inside the joint. Um, we got there and it was like the little balcony area. So it's just one big room and then the bathroom. It was kind of like really well designed. It was like a U-shaped room with the bathroom in the negative space where the U is. So the bed, if you're looking at uh, the U from the bottom, bed's on the left, kitchen's on the right. Main area is like the bottom of the U with like a fireplace and some couches. And then in the middle there in that negative space, I've described that quite well, I reckon. Little pat on the back there, Tugman. Um, that negative space is the is the bathroom slash Shower, toilet. The only bad thing is if you want to take a shit when your girlfriend's in the bath, you got to wait. You can't take a shit in the bath. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all one room. So, it's, you know, so there's that. Um, but then um, coming from just next to the fireplace, you walk out onto the balcony and there's just this beautiful. Like, a, just a, a view, man. I guess we were, like, most of the way up a hill and just looking out over forests and a little bit of farmland and town. Ah, oh, amazing. Amazing view. Um. So, yeah, we got there Friday night. Did a little bit of reading. I was feeling stressed last week, man. I was feeling stressed for the last couple of weeks, ever since I got back from Sydney, I reckon in Sydney, I didn't do the amount of work that I thought I was going to do on catching up with all of my shit. And I just kind of let my admin and everything drop. And uh, then I'd started working and I just was freaking myself out. So I got caught up on the weekend and with my accounting staff, all my money shit. So I did that on Friday and Saturday and Saturday night we cooked ribs. We went into Dalesford. So lovely. I did, um, with the car reverse it a little bit and didn't realize that like there was a kind of hill behind me where the road drops off and there was a bit of hill. And so the tailpipe hit the hill and there was all dirt in the tailpipe and I got all of that out, but the panel on the back left of the car just popped out a little bit and, um, you know, I was just like, fuck. I don't, I don't even know how much that cost to fix. Probably not much, but I popped it back in and I'm just hoping they don't notice. And then another one was um, at the Airbnb. My girlfriend's such a psycho. She was like, we have to have a bubble bath. And she bought bubble bath. And then as she's pouring the bubble bath in, she goes, oh yeah, there's a note in the Airbnb like from the people who own it explicitly saying, do not use bubble <laughs> Use bubble bath because it fucks with the jets in the bath, and I'm just like, "Whoa, well, fucking, what are we doing then?" And she was like, well, "It'll be okay." And and she was just like, "You know, and if if they find out, like, you'll split it with me, won't you?" I was like, "Oh my god!" And then I find out on the last night that not only does it say don't use bubble bath. It also says there's a body soap that they have provided that is okay to use with the fucking septic tank or whatever that is like biodegradable and it works just as well as bubble bath. Fuck. Ugh. Anyway, I'm. Um, I was making fun of my girlfriend because she's super greedy. I, I keep calling her greedy because she always likes to have the nicest thing, but I, you know. It is nice to have bubble bath, and if you've got your heart set on bubble bath, then I understand, but I just get uncomfortable breaking rules. But we're even because she did that, and I fucking hit the back of the car. So, worst case scenario, we're both going to be out a bunch of money. Um, Yeah, I don't like breaking rules, man. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I guess there's some rules like buying drugs just feels like, uh, you know, I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same. But breaking a rule where someone's been like, don't do this, and then you're like, mm, I'm gonna. It just feels... It makes me feel uncomfortable. And it feels unnecessary. That's what it is. It feels unnecessary. But then if you replace bubble bath with something I really care about, like, I don't know, if they'd say... Or actually, they also said, don't cook garlic and, o- and onion um, because... Some of the smells that it releases get, uh, what did they say? Don't cook with garlic and onion. This is a rule we've had to instate because the smell that it releases goes into the soft furnishings. So you're not allowed to cook with garlic. I mean, that's fucking bonkers, isn't it? Really into the soft furnishings. Surely just buy a fan. An extractor fan. I don't know. There's a lot of weird rules at this Airbnb, but I guess it's a very nice place. And you know what? Actually, I did break the rules because we cooked with garlic. So I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess I just don't care about bubble bath. We went to this fucking country bookshop. I love... was one thing that I've realized that I love about a country town is you find stuff there that just would not exist in the city and maybe even like for a justified reason that it wouldn't exist in the city, but the fact of the matter is it wouldn't, and so you get to see stuff that you just you wouldn't have the opportunity to see, and one of those things that we saw was I got this bookshop, actually this would be a great way to wrap the podcast this week, we went to a bookshop, and um, it was just like, I love a bookshop, I can't, not go into a bookshop it's just you know and I, I think I'm addicted to buying books man I think it makes me feel smart and I don't read half of the books that I buy but I like buying them and it makes me feel good about myself you know what actually maybe I'm gonna try and transfer that to records now that I've got a record player because I bought four records when we were away I bought uh, an Ella Fitzgerald one I bought a uh, record of Franz Liszt like piano pieces performed by various artists, I think, or maybe just one, whatever. Um, I bought some fucking one of some guy that I've never heard of because the back of the thing made me laugh. All that was written on it It just seems very silly. Um, and then I bought a book of like Brazilian guitar music from the 20th century that was written, in the first half of the 20th century. And I listened to that before and it was beautiful. And the thing about records is it doesn't take like a month to enjoy one. So I can buy records, put them on and then have it. And I reckon I'll still get the same kind of enjoyment out of a record and finding a good one and all of that kind of shit that I will out of buying books. So maybe I can transfer my, uh, my, my retail addiction to records and then I can actually fucking read all the books that I've got. Or maybe I'm just going to buy books and records now. Who knows? Anyway, so this uh, this bookstore that we went to, and I don't even know what it was called. I can't even remember what town it was in. Maybe it was in Kyneton. Uh, it was in Kinton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was after we had that jazz lunch. And it was like half an hour till closing. So I'm like, quicker, quick, let's get in there. And just so the front half of the store, it was a huge kind of warreness, warreness of uh, like a warren, like a rabbit warren, warreness. I feel like that's a word. Okay, Google is warreness a word? According to one word w- no, no, not no. warren, warreness. You know what? I'm going to leave that. And maybe that is the title of the podcast this week. Ding, 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 ding. Warreness. Um, <laughs> all right, mate, we get into the bookstore, the front half, the front, like not even a half, just like maybe a quarter of the total space was new books. And I didn't even look at those. My girlfriend didn't. She said they were very expensive, but then the back half or the back whole, the main part of it was all secondhand books, which is what the lady said when we got in there and it, they were all $5. And I'm like, great, I'll find a fucking secondhand book in here somewhere. And I, for about half an hour, looked through and, and this is like quite I I don't think this is a negative mark against the bookstore. I think this is, it just adds to the fucking wonder of this place was that in half an hour, (laughs) The most book of any value, the closest I found to some sort of book that I would actually want was like a Playboy book of jokes from like the 70s. And it was just book, uh, it was just awful joke. The best joke that I can remember from it was um, God created fire, so we invented fire engines. God created love, so we invented marriage. Ho, 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 ho. That was the best joke that I could find. That was the best line in the best book <laughs> in this bookstore. I spoke to the lady at the end and she was like, yeah, I've had um, had the business for 19 years. They've been in that place for five years and she's been collecting books her whole life. And I mean, some of them were just like weird pamphlets, but then there were like old encyclopedia Britannicas, old random like books of, you know, records of Australian fucking whatever. Just so many books and poorly organized, really poorly organized and seemingly no quality control. They were just, it was just all these books. And it was like, you like books? We'll fucking have a look at these books. <laughs> it was absolutely absurd and i did find two i found one called um the history or the birth of melbourne by tim flannery which i'm actually excited to read because i i feel like it's it's jolly to know about the place where one lives and i'd like to know a little bit more about the history of melbourne so that's cool and then i found this other one called the australian yarn all right and uh it's by ron edwards And I'll just read a bit of the blurb, and then maybe I'll read a couple of these. The Australian Yarn is a collection of Australian folklore that is rare in its authenticity. Each of the many yarns in this book was told to the author at first hand by the people of the book. It is not an anthology of well-known stories, but a fresh and brilliant assembly of yarns collected over the years. The spinners of the yarns come from a wide range of outback occupations, cattlemen and stockmen, farmers and drovers, cane growers and cane cutters, labourers, tradesmen, fishermen, and even professional men. Their stories touch on every aspect of their lives, love and marriage, birth and death, uh, fights, sex, drinking, sports, physical feats, nature, rumours, challenges, prejudices, superstitions. They give a remarkable picture of Australian bush society told in the idiom of today. So, um, you know what? I might just keep reading this so you get an idea. And I reckon I just had the idea that I might read a few of these every week when I run out of steam. That's fun, isn't it? Some yarns are outrageously funny. Some are sad and reflective. Many, because they come from genuine humanity, may seem to be in bad taste. Others will raise a few eyebrows. The vital common denominator is that each story is the authentic voice of the storyteller. It was not rehearsed, but told spontaneously with all the freshness and vivid imagery of men who work hard in a hard country. Ron Edwards collected the yarns during his travels in the outback, and as a result of his experiences and listening to the yarn spinners, he has analysed the structure of the Australian yarn, (laughs) I love that, the structure of the Australian yarn, (laughs) In an essay written especially for this book, he concludes that there is a definite difference between a recital of facts and the spinning of a yarn and that it all depends on the intention of the teller. In this book, you listen to people communicating in their natural and personal ways. Ron Edwards has collected their stories, embellished them with his witty drawings, and then expl- Witty drawings? Ooh, you get a few little bloody pictures in this one, and then explain just why the Australian yarn is so different from those of other countries. Fuck yeah, man. And who's Ron Edwards? Regarded as one of Australia's leading folklorists, was born in Geelong, Victoria. Gained his diploma of art from the Swinburne Institute of Technology in fifty one. He in nineteen fifty one. Fucking this is an old book. He and John Manifold sparked off the present interest in Australian folk song with the publication Bandicoot Ballads, and since then he has published a number of important works on the subject. Uh, blah 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 blah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So most of these were collected in 1972 by the looks and I'll find I'll find a little fucking short one here and maybe I'll read this to end the podcast this week. Let's go let's bloody go new segment Australian yarns <laughs> <clears throat> this one is called not ladylike. We were sitting out in the beer garden at the knob one night. I was down that end, Ted and Lolo at the other, uh, And until, sorry, Ted and Lolo and another Maori girl were over there and there was this drunk and his mates at a table just across. The drunk was one of those smart aleck types, but he had enough sense to keep his mouth shut when Ted, uh, when Ted was around because he's big enough to make anyone keep quiet. After a bit, Ted shoves off into the bar for some beer, and as soon as he's out of sight, this drunk says in a very loud voice, I hate drinking when there's, oh my God, N-words about. I'm not saying the word, but that's what it says. I hate drinking when there's N-words about. His mates laugh, and the next thing, Lolo's up and across him like a spitfire. He jumps up to his feet, and she cops him a beautiful haymaker. Down he goes, and she's only half his size. She's just putting the boots in when Ted races up in a hell of a rage. Don't do that, he shouts. That's not late. That's not a ladylike way to treat people. Then he grabs this bloke by the hair, lifts him to his feet with one hand and belted him right in the mouth with the other. <laughs> Sick. So wait, let me go. All oh, right, okay. So Ted is, I guess, an indigenous guy. And so, the, so this lady, some guy has said, I hate drinking when there's N-words around. And this lady's just jumped up and started pelting him. She haymaked him in the head, went down and she started kicking him. Ted's come over and gone. <laughs> Racism's bad, but I'm a bit of a misogynist. So don't you beat up this man. That's fucking sick. I like that a lot. Um Yeah, I think that's the podcast for this week. It's not ladylike. It's not ladylike to beat up that racist man and let me do it. I wonder if that lady was a white lady. If she was, how about that? The first not ladylike. It doesn't really say, but it was recorded at Cairns in 1967. That was the year that my mum was born. And that lady was my mum. Look, I think that's it. All right. Yeah, that's the podcast for this week. I'm, I, I am I am going to fucking read more of these, I reckon. I want to put this book next to my laptop so I remember. And then whenever I run out of steam, I want to read one of these yarns. And I'm very aware that this is now quite a similar concept to the Ooh Spooky Boys. But don't worry, because I'm not as funny as those guys. Big shout out to Ooh Spooky. And if you want another podcast, go and listen to that. All right, that's the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones. Sitting under a tree. Bye.